You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. X-Men. Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where we're going to give you a story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. Hi, Adam. Hey, how you doing? Did you figure out how to play dominoes yet? Didn't even try a little bit. <laughs> I still don't try. really understand it myself. You know, I, th- I think you, you pick them out of a bag, and then I also learned that the little dots are known as pips. That's yes. important. I did know that. Yeah, but I I don't know. I didn't really like give it enough time to research because we just recorded the last episode like Thursday. This I don't know. When we... This is exciting content for you and me and not our <laughs> listeners, because, Adam, it has been a short time since we've recorded last. It has been. Um, but we've read some fun stuff in between because this week uh, we are talking all about the super spy Amazing character known as Domino. Domino, also known as Nina Thurman. Yup. Mm-hmm. Also known as Beatrice. Yep. Sometimes um, known as Beatrice, and we'll get into why this episode. <laughs> also known as Samantha Wu. Also known as Tamara Winter. Also known as Elana Valdescu. Also known as Jessica Marie Costello. Also known as Luisa Mendoza. Also known as Christina Elizabeth Alicio. Also known as Priscilla <laughs> Sutherland, also known as Hope Eldritch, and also known, of course, as Olivia Blumquist. Oh my goodness. So many aliases. And uh, it's so funny. I mean, this is a character who literally her first appearance was not her actual first appearance, right? Just like for the end of New Mutants all the way through the first 10 issues of X-Force, she's copycat. Um, and then we learned that Domino has actually been held captive this entire time by what was it Tolliver? I think Mr. Tolliver. Yeah, it was Mr. Yeah, Mr. Tolliver. Tolliver. Uh, also known as Genesis, <laughs> also known as uh, Cable's Kid. Wild, wild stuff happening there. So Domino kind of shows up just as a side character and Cable's, you know, love interest slash sidekick. She's, slash the, she's the breakout mom. character of New Mutants 98. Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be Gideon, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that cover is amazing oh uh, but um not really an origin story like we we get a little bit about like the the history with the six pack so she, this she week her origin yeah, is I'm, mercenary we are mercenary get, lady for an action movie yeah we're gonna get a little bit more into who domino is and uh some of her rollicking adventures we are and do you know why we're gonna do that adam I assume thanks to one of our lovely patrons. Maybe a lovely patron like Matt McThorne. If you want to be like Matt, you can go over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. And folks, reach. Reach down into your hearts and pocketbooks and toss a couple of coins into our coffers. It really helps. And you get you get a, a stupid episode. You get a dumb you get us <laughs> doing dumb stuff for That's 45 right. minutes to an hour. And that's what that's what keeps keeps us going. It's that cold hard cash. See, I'm in sales. 
they they say something about salespeople and that we are coin operated and that is not false. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. They just give us money and we're like, we'll do things now. <laughs> it's we're basically great. A- other people have to like do their real job. Hmm. Wild. Absolutely insane. So um this week we are gonna be talking about all three of Domino's solo books, uh starting with one I don't think a lot of people have read, and this is Domino Volume 1. I think this is, well, you know what? I think by sheer volume, more people may have read this Domino than any of the other stories in our series, because this came out in 1996, a time when there were more comic sales. Maybe. That is a good possibility. Um, You know, we're sort of in the, what, the onslaught era here with this post. We are post-onslaught at this point. So it mm. is after the after the comics boom and the bu- the bubble the, the, the bubble and the bubble, it's mm-hmm. burst. It sure has, yeah. Marvel's which is not doing so hot, but we still have a Domino series written by Ben Rob with pencils by David Perrin. Um, mm-hmm. Adam, this would have been a little bit past your comics reading prime. Am I correct to say that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I was actively reading the books at this time. Um, so this was not one that was on my radar, but you know, it, it makes sense. Like X-Force was extremely popular even into this period of time. And so was cable. So it makes sense to give Domino her own book. She's exciting. She has a mysterious past and um, well, I don't know if this book so much delivers on the promise of exploring things about Domino that we didn't know, it sure is trying to deliver on sex appeal because the very first time we see Domino in, in the first issue, she's basically in, you know, a string bikini at, uh, what is she at Mardi Gras? Uh, I guess like, yeah, yeah. Down in Brazil. Yeah. Um, Sure. I guess she's I, at carnival. I, no, she's at carnival. Not Marty. Wait, what are you talking okay. about? Marty Gras? That's in new Orleans. Oh, she's in Rio de Janeiro. I don't, I don't yes. know. I, okay. Before I was going to say people, but I really mean our friend Rob, uh, at us. Yes. We understand that Mardi Gras and <laughs> carnival are celebrating yes. the exact same time in the advent calendar. Not the advent calendar. Is it the advent calendar? I'm dying. No, that's the Christmas one. The liturg- liturgical calendar or whatever. There you go. It's the, it's the it's the one before Lent. Yes. Yes. Uh and you'll be forgiven for me mixing up these locations because it's not like the art is giving you a lot of hints on what is going on in the background here. We get a couple of costumed characters and a lot of shadows. Um there's no real on, indication on of location locations. other than the narration bubble. On locations, I think that's fair. I actually, I was actually pleasantly surprised with uh, Perrin's art in this. Like, it's still recognizably 90s, but it had a good energy to it. And I would have liked to see more of what this artist uh, would have done. Unfortunately, it doesn't work at Marvel uh, after this or much anywhere. You know, it's From a comic side. It's kind of just regular workman's art. I think that it is really trying to uh, push the whole, she's definitely wearing a, you know, a, a G string um, provocative pose type stuff uh, that I guess is supposed to be pushing this character, which 
I don't know, like as time has gone on, different artists and writers have treated the the sexiness of Domino in very, very different ways. Um, it's, this is an interesting kind of start to that approach. Um, you know, like her costume here is, I think a little bit odd. It is, you know, kind of a, a two piece like athletic wear, you know, a crop top with long sleeves and short shorts, but then over top of the short shorts, she has uh, again, another G string. So it's just, I don't know. There's some odd aesthetics to this book that don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it the best domino costume. Uh, It's pretty bad because I would say that over time people have struggled to give domino a unique identity. That is also good. I, I agree. Um, you know, because I think there's one usually... very, very big exception to that, but uh, yeah, that's a more recent one. <laughs> we'll get to um, that later. But we are starting to get a little bit of Domino's background fleshed out here, including where did the Thurman come from? And the answer to that is a con man Rastafarian who lives in a Henry Gyrick prison. Interesting. Not what I He lives in the Henry Gyrick prison now. He didn't always live in the Henry Gyrick prison. No, Um, but he supposedly is a, you know, future teller, a seer. He knows how to predict the future. Um, His power is actually not real. Um, He's faking and he really just sort of makes things up, which I think is kind of funny. (laughs) I think it's great. I think it's great. He also really loves what the book calls Dante's Inferno. But as we all know, even if we don't know which one Advent is, Dante's Inferno is simply part of the Divine Comedy. Uh, It is not a standalone work. It must be taken in the context of everything else, including Paradiso. Uh, But uh, it's the coolest part because it's the hell part. It's the only part that's really readable, right? Like Purgatorio, eh, it's fine. Paradiso, straight up boring, guys. Not exciting. You know, and I think this, that... Uh, excuse <laughs> me, Adam. Adam, you're talking to somebody who would be like, oh, I would absolutely read the Book of Enoch. So uh, <laughs> do you think that I wouldn't be into Paradiso? Listen... Inferno's fun, right? It's got all these famous faces. People are being tortured in exciting ways. It's right? got Paradiso. Dante being catty. I mean, yeah. like, actually, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Yeah. Paradiso, if I remember correctly from reading that in college, is like a whole volume of just like, yay, angels and light. And it's like, yeah, I don't care. This is not exciting I don't, at all. I don't know what you think heaven is supposed to be. I know, but that's why it's not exciting, right? It's like, it's mostly, anyway, (laughs) we're not going to go get into what the, what the Christian Bible says about heaven and what is culturally, uh, yeah. Brought to it from other sources. In fact, if we want to talk about that, we should more talk about what the Christian Bible says about hell and how much of that is really what Dante made up. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, what Irrelevant really to all makes, of this, by the way. Yeah, what really makes me laugh, though, is that, okay, so Milo Thurman, Mina's ex-husband, um, is obsessed with this book, right? To the point where he nicknames Domino Beatrice after the book. And 
the book has nothing to do with this story. There is no symbolism embedded in this you story that has think- anything to do with Dante's Inferno or the history of these characters. So part of me is like, just okay, did Ben Robb like read one book for AP English in high school? And like, that's why it's in this story. <laughs> what <laughs> like- is a famous romance that I, Ben Robb, know? <laughs> right? And that's the one you picked? it's like okay i want to say i want to say that the name beatrice was there first so this is more ben rob trying to justify it but that's a wild way to justify it when you could have been like oh that's her name right it's just her her name's beatrice her birth name sure right her her mom was very religious just pick it be that Oh my God. It just makes me laugh. You know what I mean? Cause usually when an, an author brings in another work, it like has something to do with the story they're trying to tell. And this does not, it's trying to hit you over the head with it being like, no, do you understand the symbolism here? There's a reason <laughs> this person is reading animal farm right now. And no, dude's just reading the divine comedy. He's bored. <laughs> it's the book he's got. He's really <laughs> He's really bored, and as a reader of Domino Volume 1, I empathize with him. Uh, oh, so you weren't thrilled by the uh, cameos of Lady Deathstrike and uh, who else is here? Skull? Donald Pierce. Skull Donald Buster. Pierce. I Skull did, Buster. Thank you. I did like it when Skull Buster shows up, uh, but that's <laughs> just because I, I don't actually think Donald Pierce and Lady Deathstrike running the Reavers is very interesting. The Reavers as some robot dudes is very funny to me. Obviously, not the best of the Reavers. We we don't have to say it. We all know. We all know who the best Reaver is, Bonebreaker. We all know it's Bonebreaker. Bonebreaker's the one with the tank tank treads. Yeah. So glad you didn't say what's that guy's name? Pretty face? What's pretty the boy. one that like Pretty Boy? It's pretty oh, boy. Yeah. Macone, Reese, Bonebreaker, uh, Skullbuster. Oh my god. Um Cole Donald is the other Donald Pierce reveals that he survived the uh the events of what is it, X-Men Uncanny 181 or one, no, 181. No, three no two eighty no one eight two eighty one two eighty one two eighty one thank you. We're great um, at numbers. Oh my god. We don't know how to play dominoes or count. Uh but his his evil plan here is that he's trying to get like he's trying to download uh, Milo's powers and then he wants to download Domino's powers too, I guess. Right. Is that what's going on here? And then also turn them into robot. Listen. Oh, right. They're going to be robots too. Listen, Ben Rob's Ben Rob is writing this book. The plotting is as clear as that statement would entail. That's all that happens. Like, and unfortunately Domino can't save Milo. She ends up blowing this like evil lair up, walking away from the explosion and, you know, hanging out at Carnival with, uh, you know, Milo's copy of Dante's Inferno. Did I also mention that Puck is in this story and a villain villain named Pico, who we were supposed to remember from X-Force 14? I don't know how you didn't remember that character from x-force 14 pico or his brother nico i went back and i just glanced through x-force 14 and i was like this is not an important character how are we supposed to remember who this was so weird oh 
Man, I don't know. I don't know. You think you think I'm gonna remember er, er, like late era Rob Liefeld characters? And by late era, I just mean 1992 as opposed to 1991. Yeah, I don't even know if Pico is Liefeld. I mean, I think that's just a Nicieza creation at that point. Like, that's after Rob leaves the book. So I don't know who who made up Pico. Should I be worried about Listen, Pico? I I don't think. But here's what I'll say. I don't think that Steve Orlando often thinks about Pico. And that tells you <laughs> that's the level you of minor X-Men character that he is. <laughs> That's true. Steve oh, Orlando, man. the guy that remembered the really like bondage guy from right before Frank Thierry's Wolverine. Yep. Uh, and yep. put him in a comic, which I want to be clear. I laughed about cause I thought that was the greatest <laughs> thing. Yes. You don't care about Pico. No. And this is not a good book. Um, I, I don't know that even if you're a diehard domino fan, you even need to look at this. It's not interesting. doesn't add much to her character or her backstory. If, if you really need to know where the Thurman came from, this is the, this, the story for you. But aside from she, that, she, I don't know this guy ben dated for a little anything. bit. Yeah. That's all it is. They she got dates, married, they go on a spy mission. quote unquote. <laughs> This story's bad and dumb. Um, it is. Which is to say it's an X-Men story. Yes, a Ben Rob X-Men story, and it ain't great. Um, so we should probably try and rank it on our big old list. Yeah, because that's the thing about our big old list, Adam. Our big old list is great. And now that we've exited our Attitude Era, we can take mm -hmm. give this list and the stories on it the respect and love they deserve. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, everybody. Uh, number one on the list is House of X, Power of Ten. Number 100 is Wolverine, the Shiva scenario. Number 200 is Jean Grey, Psych Ward. Number 300 is Cap Wolf. Number 400 is the first arc of Saladin Ahmed's Exiles. Number 500 is Uncanny X-Force Otherworld. Number 600 is Generation M. Number 700 is the Romulus arc from Wolverine Origins. Number 800 is X-Factor Special Prisoner of Love. And the worst X-Men story of all time is at 825, 2099, Word of Tomorrow. Yeah, this is pretty bad. Um, I'm looking kind of low on the list. Listen, at 700, it's that Romulus arc. And I think that Romulus arc better. I would agree. I would agree. There's not a lot happening here. This story does not have much of a pulse. So I think we're at the bare minimum. We're in the 700s here. I would rather. It's better or worse know, than Black Sun. Uh, this isn't as bad as Black Sun. Black Sun is down at 767. Uh, how do you feel about it next to the Wolverine uh, story we ranked last week? Frank Thierry with Mr. X. I think that's at least trying more. And that says something because that story's right? not trying much. Yeah. I would I would tend to agree with that. I have highlighted two nothing stories. Mm. Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games and Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn. Yeah, that's that's about where we're at. Um we're right there. Those are below. Those are at 754 and 55, respectively. Right above them is X-Women. I mm -hmm. have to give X-Women the, the nod on this because that's not a good book, but it is. X-Women does exactly what they wanted it to do. The question is, should it have? Yeah. And it's also similarly objectifying its characters in a way that Domino is being objectified in this particular story as well. So I... Uh, gonna say maybe this is in between those two so this could be our new 754 or do you think it's lower it's like right there i don't know i'm not 
Do you think I think about... That's the thing. I don't think about Shadow Games. I don't think about the Psylocke and Archangel Crimson Dawn. I don't think about Domino Volume 1. It can go here. That's fine. <laughs> Perfect. All right, great. Let's move on to a very nice surprise. Uh, a book- Y'all don't know about Domino Volume 2, do you? If you have not read this book, like neither of us had, had you read this, Zach? I've read it multiple times. And okay. Haunts- Adam, just to be clear, I I had the same reaction as you. I just had it several years ago. Okay. I was like, I, oh, no one talks about how great this is. Never knew this even existed. And holy cow, Domino Volume 2. Wow. This what a huge improvement from volume one. What's our creative team here? Uh, we got Joe Pruitt writing it. Uh, yep. He he very specifically says he's doing the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the storytellers are Joe Pruitt and partner and artist Brian Stelfreeze. Nice. I know people know that Brian Stelfreeze is a good artist. <laughs> Brian Stelfreeze is a good freaking artist. I am so blown away by the art in this book. Um, and it's so interesting. I, I want to go back to the credits, though, because the way that things are credited is supposed to be uh, like a film, right? Yeah. So the screenplay is Joe Pruitt. The cinematography is Brian Stelfreeze. And what you're already evoking, even before you get to the very first page, is we're going to be watching a sick spy movie. We're going to be watching this espionage thriller and it is going to really like live up to what it is that we're like punching it up as. And folks, it delivers like it totally delivers from page one. It's so good. That's the thing about Domino volume two is that it says, Hey, I'm a comic book. Mm hmm. I'm going to tell a super cool comic book story. Like here's a, here's a more modern comp that may get beat. I think actually very familiar for people. Uh, y'all know the, uh, the Chris Samney and uh, Mark Wade, black widow, the one where yeah. it was the Chris Samney and Mark Wade, black widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this shares a lot of that same energy of let's just, Let's just let this artist go crazy. And Adam, I love it. I love it when comics artists get to go crazy on spy stuff. I love Old Dog from uh, Declan Shalvey right now. Like that Black Widow series. I love Domino Volume 2 because it's just them doing a spy story with Domino and incredible visuals. Yeah. I mean, the very first scene is her, like, we're just jumping right into the scene of her crashing through a window. We don't know what her target is, but she's being fed instructions over an earpiece. She gets the the contraband that she's supposed to, jumps out back out the window. She's already being told she's running late, like, jumps on a motorcycle, jumps over the cops. You know, like, it's so exciting. And then we're immediately cutting to other things we're cutting to a hacker we're cutting to the person that you know hired her for this job who you know is this very very interesting character that fits right into kind of the mission impossible thing of like the guy behind the desk that's that's you know sending on the crazy missions and all of this stuff is just fascinating you know i i'm 
just spellbound by it immediately. And we realize very quickly what Domino is out to do. She wants to find her mother. Um, yeah. So unlike the last book where, you know, it was a little bit unclear, like what the motivation was here, we've got a very, very direct idea of what Domino wants, the emotions behind it. And there's a complex set of steps that it takes to get to that information and also some surprises along the way, which is a lot of fun. It is. Uh, I think it's really exciting to see. It's a fun look at it. Listen, it paints Domino essentially as the bad girl spy character. And there is a larger conversation to be had about, well, is that the only way for a woman to be an action character? And that's a very valid conversation. But Domino's already that, so why don't we do the best thing we can with it and do it really cool? Like, here's the thing. Nothing about this, like, I don't know if nothing about this has to be Domino, but that's just more because Domino is a pretty generic character outside of her design, all things considered. She's kind of, you know, flippant about doing spy stuff, but really, really cool and level-headed and excited about a lot of things uh, and incredibly talented at everything. But it does, it executes everything so well in this. Like, you know that it's like, oh, is her handler, is her handler going to betray her? Oh, no, mm -hmm. he got fridged and now she feels bad about it. And oh, he <laughs> wishes he could be out in the field with her, but he can't because he's on crutches. It's this, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of like, yeah, I've seen this movie or I've seen this beat, but it's done so well that I don't even mind. Like, I, it's done in a way to evoke like, this is the familiar beat that you're trying to get out of this. We are trying to give you a spy movie. We're giving you the spy movie things. We recognize they're the spy movie things, but look how well we're playing with our toys. Yeah. Yeah. There's the hidden, you know, mini discs. There's, you know, hackers hacking into databases. Um, there, you know, are, are secret military uh, operations happening here. And uh, one of the things that we have to note is that, Stelfreeze, among other things that he draws incredibly well, the fight sequences in <laughs> these books are some of the best things I have ever seen in a comic book ever. I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic here. Like no, they are not. simply incredible. Like if people remember when I went off about the, you know, the Paul Smith Wolverine silver samurai uh, sword fight, I'm not kidding. The, the way that these are drawn are on that level. There is this amazing scene where Domino finds a mini disc inside of a fish tank and this group of villains that are known as the Arma Jesuits, they're basically like religious ninjas, right? Like they're monks, hey, but they're fun also- fact. Just real, real quick. The Arma Jesuits are one of the best things in Marvel and it's a shame that we are not constantly <laughs> talking about the Arma Jesuits. They look great, right? And there are just these sequences of action that are so clear and the camera direction of where Stelfreeze is pointing the perspective. You know, it's so clear what's going on in panel to panel. It, it's amazing. There, there's That's followed up by another sequence where her handler is attacked by them. It's just as good, you know? Um, he's being flipped out of his chair and we learn that like, his his crutches have little spikes in them. So now he's fighting with those. And I 
I'm just blown away by this book. Now, you mentioned that Domino may just kind of be a blank slate, but I do think that this series also does a very good job of building out her backstory in an interesting yes. way that does build her character, right? I, um, I, think, that, I think that's learn, absolutely fair. Yeah, we learn the basic components of what is her actual origin story, right? Which is this idea of we, Project Armageddon. And, which you know, is not a weapon mother... plus thing, which is no an easy opportunity to be like, by the way, and then this was weapon 11. This is the one. We right, right. Forgot about. Here we go. Yeah, it's this is the one we could they could do that in a heartbeat and everyone would say, OK, that's fine. Yeah, I'm very glad but that it is, it's its own thing. I I think for the sake of this story, yes, but it is. It has too many, too many overlapping themes with everything else in like weapon X and in the general, the general, Hey, we trained you to be this super powered, whatever for government, blah, 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 weapon secret thing. That's like, just tied it. Like at this point you could just say, and yeah, that was tied into this whole thing and it would all be clean, but it doesn't matter. That's just like an opportunity. If someone wants to go back to it. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to share universe and just say project Armageddon was weapon 11, I mean, sure. Like, that wouldn't be a problem. Go for it. I get a little bit peeved like that. Everything has to be part of weapon plus all the time. Like it doesn't uh, all have to be the same shady organization. Hold on. There can be hold on. many different shady organizations. Hold on, Adam. Are you mad? That they retconned brute force into being part of weapon two. No, that's amazing. Come on. That's so Are you mad that they retconned main thing into being weapon four, AKA weapon IV. Like yeah, Ivy? that's pretty great. That's pretty great. <laughs> Hold on. That's pretty great. The, the, the weapon plus stuff that uh, Chris Robson was trying to put together right before Oxbox is one of my favorite things to like, think about what could have been. Yeah. I don't have a lot of pitches in the world because I don't write or draw or have anything to do with comics. Marvel call me up. If you want, if you want a, uh, if you want a weapon plus uh, series, I got, I got a secret weapon plus series that you can use as a Venom <laughs> series first. It's a whole thing. I got you. I got you down. Does it involve uh, Red Hulk, but the good Red Hulk, the one with a mustache? Yes, it absolutely does. Sounds great. I'm on board. It's, so, Adam, it's the best thing I've ever come up with, and I will never do anything with it. Yeah, so normally, like, I would spoil the ending of this. I don't know if I really want to. Like, there's some fun surprises that get to the end here with who Domino's mom is and what she encounters inside of the Project Armageddon facility. And it and adds... the choices that Domino has to make in her life. Yes. It is... Y'all, you know how everyone talks about how interesting uncanny x-force is and some of the ideas that get brought up in that yep, i was thinking the same thing yeah i mean it, for obvious reasons listen this is almost kind of a better version of it like i think uncanny x-force goes on for longer and does some interesting things with the repercussions of the themes but this is also kind of like this is kind of like a better version of the best part of uncanny x-force <laughs> It, it, no lie. No lie. I thought the exact same thing while I was reading it. And I was so happy with the way in which this wraps up um, because it still opens, you know, there's the, the doors open for, you know, additional stories. And there are, 
obviously things stemming out of this because of, you know, all the world building that this does, but it's, it also just exists as this very, very tight four issue mini that is one of like, it's just one of the best things I've read in a really long time. And I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk about it. I highly Here's recommend the thing. it. Here's the thing. Did you like that part in Deadpool 2 where it was the good part and Domino did things? <laughs> that lasted for what, five minutes? Yeah, but the good part. Yeah. The yeah. good part of yes. Deadpool 2. Sure. Everything you like about that is in this. It's fun. It's charming. It's beautiful. I can't. I cannot say enough good things about Stealth Freeze in this. Like, it's a mastery of the form. Like, he mm-hmm. understands comics. And Pruitt, to his credit, knows exactly who's... He knows what who, he knows who the star of the show is. Yep. He knows that he's there to get out of the way and let his artist do the work. And folks, if I wanted to read a novel, I'd go read a novel. If I want to read a comic... I want to see something cool. I want the visuals to mean something. I want it to add up and I want the storytelling to be done with the comic part of the comic. Mm -hmm. I can, you want to tell me a story? I can hear a story a billion different ways. I can only get a comic in one way and I I want the comic. Dang it. It's living testament to how important the artist has to be as part of the storytelling of a comic book and that's what makes it so successful. So um, I, I have a feeling this is going to do pretty well on the list. I'm very uh, interested to see where it ends up. I mean, this is a top 100 story. No, no questions asked. Uh, absolutely. This is a top 100 story. So right now at 100, we have the Shiva scenario. This is, this is top 100. This is better. Um, this is better than 54. We have chamber one through four around this same time. This is better than that chamber series. And I like that chamber oh, yeah. series a lot. No, this this is definitely better than that. Um, at all right, here's one for you, Zach. Past fears, cable one fifty five to one fifty nine. I think this is better. I'm turning around. I'm looking at my piece of. I know. Cable one fifty. I mean, it's better than. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brian Stelfreeze is really good, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Now we're getting into it, though. Top fifty is tough. There's some really top amazing stuff in here. Top fifty is tough, but let's. Let's look at it. Havoc and Wolverine Meltdown is at 41. That's another artist showcase. Uh-huh. Yep. It's it's a two artist showcase, but it's an artist showcase. How do you feel about it compared to this? I think we're we're getting right up there because as a standalone story, I think this is just absolutely a masterclass in comic book writing and art, right? Um where we really bump up to it, I think, is when we get into like the top 40, because then we're getting into like really classic uncanny X-Men territory, right? That's where we've stuff got stuff that marries marries like what we love about X-Men to yeah, 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 yeah. world class storytelling. Exactly. That's and exactly. that's the trick. That's it. That's the only downside of this is that it doesn't have to be an X-Men thing. You could you could just sell this as Here's Spy Lady. And it would be great. And we would still talk about it. But like, I think part of the reason why this doesn't get talked about is because if you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what X-Men thing do I need to read? Because I like X-Men. Domino Volume 2 is never going to be on the top of the list. And that's a shame. Because this is good. It is. It's really good. Um, 
Oh man, I'm, I'm really bumping up against it though. You know, like I, I think my gut is telling me to put it at 41 right above meltdown and right below the trial of Magneto. But I feel like I could be convinced into going higher because I'm also looking at other things. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to make a pitch here. Go ahead. And this is a pitch that I think is reasonable, maybe a little aggressive, but I want to hear, I want us to, I want us to have to think about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I want this. My absolute ceiling is number 30 wounded wolf. That's uncanny 205, which does a very similar like thing, but in a very tight package, Barry Windsor Smith is killing it. I think that that's like, I could not look any higher than that. I don't think I would go higher than the Phoenix saga 34. I mean, that's just like classic stuff, right? Okay. We're in, we're, Okay, I think we're looking at the exact same spot because I was I was looking right at that Brood Saga, Life Death Two, Phoenix Saga, Return of the Sentinels stuff. Right, right. And then right Return below of the Sentinels, that is, which was also Project Armageddon. Yeah, and right below that is What If Magic, which is also like a really amazing tiny story that like hits you in the gut. Amazing art, amazing. It writing. hits you in the gut. It hits you in the heart. Hey, by the way, if you haven't read Rare Flavors by. Uh, what if magic artist Felipe Andrade and Ram V uh, get your butt to the comic shop and get rare flavors. It's one of my f- favorite comics of the year already. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty um, interesting. It's, it's so good. I would, I would give this the, I would put this above that. I would put it right under life death Two above the Phoenix saga. But I think probably the better place for us would be below the Phoenix saga above the sentinels coming back and going I think that's space. a you know what that is an appropriate place for that this is like bravo this is just really good comics so domino volume two at 35 wow i'm best not surprised showing, best showing of a comic in a long time so we got one more volume of domino this is volume three and i think it's probably another one that a lot of our listeners are familiar with um, more people would be familiar with this because it's more recent. It came out concurrently with the uh, with the movie. It's uh, by Gail Simone and David Baudion. Love uh, it's one sorry. through six uh, on number five. Uh, Michael Schieffer, uh does the actual pencils, uh, but Baudion does the breakdowns and layouts. So, yeah, which is kind of understandable. I mean, what Baudion is doing here in these issues is pretty remarkable. Um, hey, so it's pretty lo- great I- that he does the whole series. I want to start with the cover on this because I think I think it's very telling to a lot of things. One, the actual official cover on this book is nearly offensively by Greg Land. <laughs> nearly offensively? Just honestly, the covers on all of Domino Volume 3. It's Greg Land and then mm-hmm. who does uh the la- there's a second arc and it's by uh uh, Gong Hyuk uh, Lim, uh, who has just like a hella cheesecake style that I yep. don't, I don't appreciate. I believe this Baudion. Yeah. Oh no, you get RB Silva on the covers for Hot Shots, which is the follow up to that, which is honestly so much better and so much in line with what Baudion is doing because Baudion's doing a fun thing. But you look at here the first three variants they have of this are a David Baudion variant showing off the new costume, which is 
an incredibly good costume that pulls in this like light blue into the equation that somehow ties everything together and is yeah. the look for Domino forever now. Like that's just what Domino still bears. wearing it, still wearing it in X still wear. Read a comic today. I was like, hey, she's still wearing that costume. Yep. Good job, David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also in Elsa Chartier. And <laughs> if you really wanted to go one, the Elsa Chartier cover is just beautiful. But if you really wanted to go cheesecake, they had a J. Scott Campbell waiting for him. Yeah. Yeah. What are they but doing? Honestly, that Baldion cover is way better with the red stripe and like Domino that holding. Giant. That's sick. That body on cover is so good. This was, I think this was my first real, real moment uh, where I got to see David Baudillon's work, or at least recognized it. And mm-hmm. you recognize it from the start that it is something special. You know, and, you know, I'd read stuff with him before. Like, I've read X-Men Legacy that he had done. Uh, sure. But nothing clicked as, oh, this is a guy to watch out for. Uh, before Domino. And then he had a great streak with Domino, Gwenpool Strikes Back, X Factor, mm-hmm. Baudion on another level. He's outstanding. And, um, where do you fall? So we've talked about Baudion at length uh, recently in our X Factor. Baudion, uh, good. Baudion, good, everyone. Go go by render by Baudion and Leah Williams whenever it comes out eventually. <laughs> it's just, just an outstanding artist. Where do you fall on Gail Simone? Um, Simone is notorious as this, like, you know, Twitter, uh, figure who likes to kind of just put out these nonsense tweets and bait the, the internet community and trend. Love that. Love that for her. I had Gail Simone muted on Twitter for years, so I didn't have to see it because her specific brand of Twitter content annoyed me. Yeah. It just like, that's not, even, not even in the, I got tilted where I was like, this is annoying. I don't, I just don't <laughs> want this. And I, I'm not a big DC guy. So I haven't read like birds of prey or mm-hmm. was secret six or whatever it is. I haven't read a lot of Gail Simone stuff uh, outside of Marvel. So I can't say, yeah, secret six. I was right, man. I know mm-hmm. things sometimes. <laughs> I can't say that I am like a big Gail Simone head. I, find her writing to be fine, but her and I have a different sense of humor. And I feel like her humor is very tied to a specific era that was right before, like when I was coming up, like it feels like the jokes people were telling before I was a teenager. Okay. And how they were telling jokes before I, right before I was a teenager. So it always feels a little old to me, even when it's like, not that I, I totally see what you mean that there is a style of, and I think that is what is like the hit or the miss part of this series for readers is whether they can sync up with what Simone is doing on the humor side, because I think it's a lot easier to connect with the sort of found family aspect of what she does with uh, Domino outlaw and diamond back and the other recurring characters in this story. Um, that have created this little team of, you know, mercenaries that are going to go off and, and do missions and get sidetracked by this like supervillain that came out of Domino's backstory as a retcon. Um, so I want to jump in right there. I don't disagree with the found family. Like, oh, look, they're best friends. 
it's weird how much this book in the first like issue insists that these guys have always been friends and they are always each other's best friends when as far as i know none of them had ever met each other until right now like this book just and that's a me problem but i was like i know domino wasn't messing with the serpent society so i know she don't know diving back and i checked i checked because i haven't read it i haven't i haven't read this part so I checked Domino doesn't show up in like Agent X or all the stuff that Outlaw is from a character that I have known existed. And I'm like, mm, I'm sure Gail Simone has done great work with her, uh, but also a character that like J. Scott Campbell would draw a lot of. Sure. Right. I mean, and that seems to be are... her entire purpose as I have known the character. Yeah. I mean, Simone is purposefully putting these three femme fatale you know, sexy characters together and putting them on missions. And yes, you know, they've only, uh, by the stories telling known each other for a couple of months, they've only been doing missions for a short period of time, but you're right. They are like bosom buddies as if they've been friends since childhood. Um, but it works it's in the stories for favor. me. It's hard for me to get that. That is one of the best parts, uh, is that they are, they are friends specifically Inez is ride or die for Domino in a way that yeah. is, it is very fun to see. And you buy in that they are friends. Mm-hmm. What would I buy in less? It, one Domino gets a dog at the beginning of this. That's called Pip. And I'm like, that's cute. But if it, it feels like they gave Domino a dog because they gave Hawkeye a dog in that good Hawkeye series. <laughs> and people keep being like, let's just give the superhero a, a, an animal in issue one. And we'll hope it hope it's good. And then maybe they can buy an apartment building and be a landlord. And Domino doesn't buy an apartment building in this. She commandeers a steamboat, which is weird. They do own a that is their headquarters like a casino boat. Right. Like she has her apartment, but then they also commandeer the casino boat. <laughs> it's I don't know. There's some weird, quirky things about this story that are it, just kind of weird. Adam, it is so quirky. It is so yes quirky it is also much more of a marvel universe book than i than i would have thought because the couple couple things right uh first issue has a big party with a lot of a lot of marvel universe characters not just x-men we also get a rescue from spider-man in the second issue and then amadeus chose hulk becomes a major cast member in these first six issues he's like kind of part of the team he's the fourth person so this is not just an X book. It is connecting itself to the larger fabric of the Marvel universe. And I think that that's an interesting approach. And I think that's, I think that's a perfectly fine approach specifically for Domino, a character who is so like Domino's not sitting there like, man, am I on Charles side or am I on Magneto's side? (laughs) How do I feel about about the specific applications of getting mutant rights? No. Domino's like, I want money and I have a gun. Mm-hmm. She's great and, that, and I love her. She's done. I, listen, she's done nothing wrong. No. And I do think that, you know, Gail's take is different than what we just read in Domino volume two, for sure. There's definitely a much more comedic take, but there's also a lot of tragedy involved in this story. So the villain is um, this character named Topaz. Um, who seems to be with this old man in the beginning. And it turns out that he is like the anti-domino. 
So every time that her luck powers worked, he became injured because of it. Topaz developed this like deep hatred for her because she fell in love with this guy. And now she's out to get Domino, um, which leads to what I think is the most fun part of this uh, first. What is what do we do? The first six issues here is yep. that Domino needs to control her luck powers better. So she goes and trains with Shang-Chi, <laughs> who she's got the hots for. And it's so much fun. I like that part in issue four. The problem with the Shang-Chi parts is twofold for me. Uh, and it all comes down to issue five, uh, where Baudion doesn't draw. He lays it out. Uh, and you you can very tell clearly tell, like, these are still his layouts. Some of the, like, roughs are like, oh, yeah, this is how Baudion would do some stuff and they pick they pick an artist that does a lot like that meshes with bounty on style unfortunately it's a pale limitation and when five is the five is two things one it is the and here's all the cool moves that domino learned from shang chi Mm -hmm. uh so you don't you don't get the cool martial art fight at like you don't get you don't get the best artist for what needs to be the artist showcase and while bounty on's I don't, I liked Baudion's action, probably like character work and like character acting is his stronger suit. I do think his action's very dynamic and I would have preferred it in this case. It seems like just a scheduling thing happened with this. That's part of comics. But also in the fifth issue, like the anti-Domino guy dies, but Domino's in a completely different place. (laughs) And like, it feels like the story almost comes to a climax with Domino not even being around. And then it has to come to a climax again in the next issue. And I feel like pacing wise, it, it really throws things off at the end in a way that is pretty jarring. What'd you think about, this is interesting, right? Cause we've got a little bit of like branding synergy going on here that in the culminating fight with Topaz Domino shouts that she's a Disney princess. (laughs) I hate Which, it, and I hate that it got posted I, around Twitter and Reddit and all this stuff all the time. Like, I just, listen, it's just humor is subjective. Yep. And there's some some stuff that works for some people, some stuff that doesn't. That is the level of quirky self-awareness of I'm very connected to media that does not necessarily work for me. Which is weird because, like, Listen, I think Leah Williams is one of the fine, funniest writers in comics, like, period. Mm-hmm. And if someone said all of these exact same things but was talking about a Leah Williams book, I would sit in here and say, I disagree with you. But, like, I can't I can't sit here and be like, no, I, I don't get it. I understand. And I am now on the other side of that equation with a writer that, like, just does not click with me. I, I'm... That is one of those moments where the the humor generally works really well for me in this book, but it starts to go, all right, are we jumping out of character too much? You know what I mean? Like I, at a certain point, can't imagine these lines coming out of these characters' mouths, you know? Um, so it It's one of a few instances, like in general, I really like this book. I think Baldian's art is a huge part of it. I think the whole idea that she goes and like has this sexy training thing with Shang-Chi is a huge part of it. I enjoyed reading this quite a bit. Um, but I do think that readers are going to bump up against some of the, the writing and 
they might have a similar reaction to you. Or they might not, and they might really like it. Like, this is... Humor books are so tough. I have learned this being that I have, like... I have very specific, like, humor taste. Listen, I'm a different breed, Adam. I'm a little twisted when it comes to humor. It's just, like, end of, end of the day. It's just, like, some things that I find fun... Adam, you, you've seen my social media posts, right? Yes. Do you think I post any of that stuff not laughing at myself when I say it? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, this is great. This is a real banger. One like, let's go. Uh, listen, we all have we all have our different... What We all have, we all have what makes us laugh. And that's listen, never going to be the same for everybody. You're talking to a guy who's still quoting an MTV uh, skit show from the 90s, and no one knows what I'm talking about when I quote the state so like i totally get it i think there's just different iterations of what tickles people's funny bones and i i think this series is going to hit really well for a lot of people and then another other people might look at it and say maybe this is a little too far afield from what i expect of the character but i have to recommend it because the baltian art is just so good um, I love looking at it. I, I enjoyed reading it, but I, I don't think it rises nearly to the heights of what we were just talking about with volume two. So where do you think it goes on the list? My dude, that's a question that you need to ask when I'm not on a different tab. I'm now back on the list. Tab. <laughs> okay. Um, I is mean, this a 200s book, a 300s book, a 400s let's book? See, like. Uh, uh, at 203 is Extermination, and I like Extermination better than this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, down at 300, we have Hearts of Darkness. I like that better than this. Hearts of Darkness um, better than this. But um, is it better than... Hey, another Domino story. <laughs> I, I think this might be better than the Weapon X Sabretooth and Charge arc at 400. If Ricardo Lopez Ortiz through that entire arc? No. But Ricardo Lopez Ortiz only draws part of it. In fact, like Ortiz would have the same kind of energy that this book needs. Like him and Bounty yeah. are pretty similar. And there is a callback to that book in this where a bunch of Domino's X's are around and it's Colossus and, oh, yeah. and <laughs> Cable. And she's like, oh, I, just, I like a big slab of man right here. Like those big men. That's right. Look at them. Big That's boy. Right. It's big boy season. All right, um, so we're in the 300s. Um, how far up do we want to go? Uh, I don't. I'm I'm looking. There's some. I have a feeling you would not put this ahead of X-Men Black Mojo at 363. I would not put this ahead of X-Men Black Mojo. It turns out that uh, Scott Ackerman and I have more similar uh, comedic tastes than, than Gail <laughs> Simone and I. I don't know who could have thought of that. I would put it ahead of Deadpool's Axis arc at 36 to 39 at 375, even though I do remember yeah, enjoying that. That's probably right. I do want to put it below X-Men 2099, the Halloween Jack stuff. That's fine. Um, I like I would Halloween it, Jack a lot. Yeah, I would put it above the uh, all new X-Men Ultimate Universe crossover at 374. We should have done the time that Domino met Halloween Jack in the regular universe. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yep. Crazy this is 374. Y'all, that's an episode. We yeah. did it. We did good. it. We still don't know how to play dominoes, but we sure know how to read it. I'm not I'm not an I'm not an old man. I don't need to play dominoes right now. <laughs> uh, but I bet Mac McThorne 
uh, does know, need to know how to play dominoes. And if you want to be like him, uh, just do the thing I said earlier. It's Patreon. Battle the Atom. Do it. Absolutely. Adam, Check what's it up? out. Support. Um, guys can always follow me on social. Uh, Adam Reck on Blue Sky. Adam Reck on Instagram. Or Arthur Stacy on Twitter. And um, gearing up for New York Comic Con. Got that NYCC coming up. 23? Yeah. Uh, heading up there with uh, with some folks not this week so you'll be getting a special not next week but you know in the in the coming future and i'm getting excited about that it's gonna be fun yeah because do you know what we're doing next week we have a fun episode next week what are we doing zach we're doing a bunch of krakoa stuff someone wanted us to do all krakoa stuff and we said okay that's fine great so you know we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna be talking about. We can't say we're doing all Krakoa, but J.K. We're doing about the island Krakoa because we already did that bit like three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like Krakoa era, right? This is like these are X Men comics that have come out since 2019, but not before 2021. So it's in like that prime, the Pando region, the prime yep. Pando region right there. I like that. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be exciting. Uh, but until then, this has been Bally Arm. We hope you survive the experience. Get it!